0: We are in this series of purpose, and the tagline, of course, is We Get to Do This. And it made me think of a time, well, several times in my life growing up. Uh, my kids growing up, that is, uh, I'd be out mowing the lawn and they would come out with their little plastic toy lawnmowers. We've got a picture here of my youngest son, Nathan, uh, as he did that. And, and they just thought it's fun to go be with dad and, and mow the lawn. And so sometimes Luke or Nathan would come out and and they'd actually, you know, grab the real lawnmower with me and stand behind it. And we would kind of do a couple of pass, passes across the grass. And it was just brought me a lot of joy that my boys wanted to do something. we like, we get to mow the lawn with dad and this is so awesome. And And now my son Luke's in middle school, and uh, it's not so much that we get to help dad anymore. It's like, do I have to mow the grass now, dad? And uh, it'd be sure nice if you threw some money in and make it a lot easier to do that. And I don't know if you've experienced something like that in your life. At some point, it's like we have the excitement of, wow, we get to do this. And then it just somehow kind of shifts to, oh man, do do we have to do this? And and maybe for you, it's not chores. Maybe uh, for us, it's it's our jobs. It's our work. You know, wow, I'm so excited that I get paid to do this. I can't believe someone's paying me to do what I what I love to do. I, I love my work and I, I'm glad I get to do this every day and I draw a paycheck for that. And and how do we shift from that to, oh man, do I have to go in today? You know, I'd much rather stay home. Why, why am I stuck in this job? You know, that sort of thing. Or maybe it's a relationship. Like, Man, I'm so excited to be in this relationship. I can't believe that this person loves me and I get to love them. And man, we get to have this awesome time together. And you know, and, or it you know, can shift to man, why am I in this relationship? Do I have to continue being in this relationship, seeing the same person again and again? Man, you're like, what's going on, right? I mean, do you have that encounter in your life? Like at some point, we're excited about something and we get to do something, and and somewhere along the way, it just loses the the excitement. Yeah and it just becomes a, oh, do we have to do this kind of moment? I'm thinking that can even happen in our spiritual lives, that sometimes we can, like, we can be on fire for God, and we can be excited and say, man, I get to go to church today. I get to worship. I get to sing songs, and I get to teach our children's ministry. I get to set up the lights and and do the audio-visual stuff. Man, I'm so excited for what God's doing in my life, and I just, I can't wait to go and give back to God. And and sometimes, wow, you know, it's Veterans Day weekend, not many people are going to be at church today. It's 28 degrees outside. Do I really have to get out of bed this morning? And, you know, is anybody even going to come? And is anybody going to listen to what I'm singing or teaching? And, man, I don't know how to do those lights without so-and-so who's going to be here. And, and so even our spiritual lives, maybe we can kind of move from get to to it becoming a burden, and we feel like we, we have to do something, right? So, so how do, we, how do we make that shift? Why do we do that? When one minute we're excited about something, the next minute it's become a burden for us. How do, how do we make that shift and, and how do we stop it from happening? Or maybe if it's happened, how do we rediscover the excitement that we first had for things in our lives? So today I just invite you to keep in the back of your mind things in your life that have shifted from get to to have to. Is that a relationship? Is it a job? Is it something related to God? Right? How, how have we shifted and how might we be able to shift back? Because I think we all bring some of that with us today if, if we're honest in our lives. So I'd like to look for some help today in the Bible. I found that the Bible usually has a lot of help for me and I think it does for us today. And I want to dive into the New Testament. We're going to read a letter that a man named Paul wrote in the first century in the Mediterranean world. Paul was a church planner, and he started a lot of churches in the first century, and he would write the church's letters when he wasn't present with them, and a lot of those were collected, and they make up most of the New Testament, most of the New Testament in the Bible, and so today we're going to read a letter, the part of a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, which was in ancient Greece, uh, and he's writing to the Ephesians. They live there, and he's trying to give them hope. Uh, this is a church that's having some challenges. He's trying to remind them about why they're doing what they're doing and there, there's some other false teaching going around. He's trying to give them confidence that, that what they're doing is right and they need to ignore the mess around them. And so, so these are Paul's words as he's trying to encourage people to still have that get to, we get to do this kind of attitude for God. So let's dive in uh, to Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Right? Christ provides church leaders to equip his people, right, to equip the church, right, all of us, for works of service, right? So they're leaders who help all of us be ready to do God's work in the world, to serve God, so that the body of Christ, the church, right, the church is the body of Christ in the world till Jesus comes back, so that the body of Christ, so that the church may be built up, right, So we all serve God, we all help each other out so that we can build the church up until we reach unity in the faith, so we can be unified in what we believe, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, right, we believe in Jesus, and become mature, right, mature Christians, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, right? So Paul says there are church leaders Who are to equip all the other Christians in the church to do the work of God so that when the world is looking for Jesus in the world, right, when they see the church, they'll say, that's Jesus in action, right? And as as we're helping other people come to faith, we also are growing ourselves to become more mature in what we're doing. So let's continue right? Then we will no longer be infants, infants in the faith, right? We're no longer baby Christians. We've grown up, we're mature in our faith, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown there, here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, right? So there's a lot of false teachings and Paul's saying, we need to be mature in our faith so we can say that's not true, right? This is true. That's not true. This is BS. That's not BS, right? We need to know what we believe and we can stand firm in that and other people are not going to lead us astray. So we need to be mature in our faith to be able to be, to be discerning enough to pull that off. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is in Christ. We are growing to become mature Christians in Jesus. From him, the whole body, the body, the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Jesus is holding us all together as the church, as each part does its work. Right? Each of us, each of us, you and me, we each have a part to play in building up the church in the world so that other people can come to faith in Christ. Right? And so this is, in a nutshell, what the church is all about. Right? We're here to serve God. We're here to be the body of Jesus in the world. We're here to lead other people to faith. And in the process, we grow up in our faith so that we know what's true and what's not true. Right? We can withstand things that come against us. And, so, uh, and each of us plays a role. Jesus is in charge. He's in the center. And he gives us the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. I want to focus just for a minute on that, that Christian maturity, that spiritual maturity kind of piece that Paul writes about. Now, the way that I kind of see spiritual maturity uh, is just, this is the way I see it. This is not what Paul says, not what the Bible says. But this, this is what I think of. Like, so when we're new to the faith uh, and we're coming to learn about Jesus for the first time or, or, or it's something new to us, we're kind of like infants and we need to be fed right? And that's a good thing. We need people to to teach us and preach to us and show us how to read the Bible and invite us to, to small groups to learn about Jesus, how to serve in Jesus's name and that sort of thing. So as infant Christians, people new to the faith, right, we need to be fed. That's an important thing. Just like an infant can't feed itself, someone new to the faith needs other people to help them learn what it's all about to follow Jesus, now, as we mature in our faith and we become adolescents, now we still need people to feed us. We, we need to hear sermons and we need to hear teaching and, and small group instruction. But now as adolescents, we can also start feeding ourselves. We can get stuff out of the fridge for ourselves, right? We can warm up some, some frozen pizza for ourselves. And so we can begin to read the Bible. We can pray and talk and listen to God on our own, and and we can study other books that help us learn more about Jesus. So we're still being fed, but we're also feeding ourselves. And then when we become mature adults in the faith, right, then now not only are we being fed by others, we're also feeding ourselves, but now we have the knowledge and the ability to feed other people to tell other people about Jesus. Say, hey, you know, this is how I see Jesus working in my life. I, I can talk to you about where he's helped me out in, in my personal life, right? And so not only are we being fed or feeding ourselves, now it's our role to help other people connect to God. And so the role of a Christian, start as an infant, to become an adolescent, and then become a mature adult Christian. So just another question for you maybe to wrestle with when you go home today or even start right now is, where are you in your spiritual journey? right? Because sometimes our biological age doesn't match our spiritual age. Some of us might have been in church our whole lives, and we like being fed so much that we haven't taken the initiative to feed ourselves. And so we might remain stuck in infancy, uh, which maybe God's saying, maybe it's time to start doing some stuff for ourselves, right? Reading scripture, and, and maybe God has someone in our life that needs to hear the good news of Jesus. So where are we in our spiritual, spiritual journey? And how maybe could we take a next step? And if you don't know how to do that, we're glad you're here. We'd, we'd love to help you walk through that. But, but Paul says we are to mature in the faith so that we can help other people come to faith in Christ through the church. And I love that last verse that I read from, from Paul's uh, writings here in Ephesians, where it says, each part does its work, right? Each of us has a role to play in South Park Church. God has given us gifts and God has given us abilities so that we can play a part so that we can help feed other people Jesus. We can help other people come to faith. We can help other people grow in their faith. Each of us has a part to play. Each of us has a role, right? God has given each of us special, unique gifts and abilities that only we have. And God says, I want you to use that in South Park Church and help other people come to grow in their faith in me and spread that to other people in the community. And that's, a, that's such an awesome thing. So as I think about, you know, so what is the point? So what's the big idea, right? Was, you know, Paul is writing, you know, in the first century, is the 21st century, does any of this equate? I think it absolutely equates, right? And I think what Paul's saying to us is, is this, right? The so what kind of moment, the big idea kind of a moment is that God has a purpose for me in the church, right? God has a purpose for you in the church. God has a role for you to play in South Park Church, right? To build up the body of Christ in our community, to help other people come to faith in Jesus, and so that we ourselves mature in the faith and we grow closer to God. God has a purpose for you in South Park Church, we get to do stuff for God. We get to do stuff with Jesus. We get to help our community become a better place. We get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We get to help feed people physically as well as spiritually, right? We get to do amazing things for God. What might your role be? Right? And so as we think about an application, like how do, I, how, do I, how do I do this in my own life? I would say it's pretty simple, right? Do your part. Do your part for Jesus through the ministries of South Park Church. And by that, I specifically mean to make a commitment to serve God in our congregation in the coming year, in 2020. When you came in today, hopefully you noticed there was a a card sitting on your seat. If you're here today in person, uh, this is a commitment card. uh, And this is something that we do every year at South Park Church, is, is, is we write down on a card to to say to God, this is how I feel led to serve you in the coming year, right? And Pastor Lindsey introduced it last week, saying that part of that is saying, this is how much uh, money I'm going to donate to the church of my financial resources so that the church can do amazing ministries next year, right? And so today we're talking about how can I give God my time and my talents and abilities here at South Park Church so that other people in our community can come to know Jesus, So our our two greatest resources that we have, our time and our money, how are we going to devote those to God in 2020? So what we're asking everyone in the church to do, everyone in in, the family of South Park Church, is next Sunday is our Commitment Sunday. And we would invite you to prayerfully come back and bring your commitment card uh, to turn into God and say, this is how I feel led to support the church financially. This is how I feel led to support the church with my time and my talents. And so today, I want to talk about the time piece. And and so if you're serving in South Park Church right now, we want to thank you. And we just invite you to keep doing what you're doing. If you're singing on the praise team or playing on the praise team, keep doing that. If you're doing our, our audio, video, and lighting stuff, y'all are awesome. Keep doing that. If you're teaching our children, keep doing that. If you're on our hospitality ministry and you're working with coffee or, or setup or takedown or or whatever, thank you for what you're doing. Just keep doing that next year. That would be awesome. Now if you're new to our church and and you're thinking about this might be a place where I really want to get involved, uh, or you're part of our church family, and you haven't yet found a place to plug into the church, or maybe you're plugged in and and you say, I've got some more bandwidth. What are some of the needs that I can do? If you're any of those three kind of categories, I guess, or find yourself in that place in life, I'd invite you to look on the commitment card. There are like six areas of ministry uh, that we would like you to consider. Uh, these six areas, most of them have to do with Sunday morning setup and taped down, our children's ministry, our hospitality ministry, our, our, our technical production kind of things, our, working with our student ministries. These are areas that we think are of critical importance going into next year which is going to be our last year in the theater, and we transition into our new building later next year. It's going to be amazing. These are our greatest needs that we have, and we really need some folks to step in and help us finish out our season in the theater in a strong manner. So again, if you're new to the church, uh, if, if you are not yet involved in the church, or you have some extra bandwidth to consider these select ministries uh, to be a part of next year. Um, And it's exciting because we get to do things for God. Now, uh, what I I did to prepare prepare for today's message is uh, I reached out to some of the people in our church who are already doing these things, and I asked them, why are you doing this? Right? why are some of you getting up you know to be here around seven o'clock set up the church uh, some of you stick around you know stay through about 1230 to, to take down the church why are some of you teaching our children and our students uh, you know why are you out in the lobby meeting new people that sort of thing why are you out in the parking lot welcoming people when it's freezing outside why do you do what you do and so I'd like to share with you just a few of these responses that uh, I think are awesome and they characterize uh, the hearts of the people in this congregation. I want to just read a few quotes from some of our setup and takedown teams that make Sunday morning possible. We have people uh, ranging from teenagers all the way up into their 80s who are doing this. Uh, you don't have to be like Superman or understand everything technical, right? It's, it's just a beautiful thing. So these are what some of the setup takedown folks had to say. I enjoy the sense of accomplishment I get out of helping make church happen every week there are lots of people who attend worship and benefit from the experience. I know that I contributed to everyone being able to hear the message and worship as part of the church family. Someone may have really been hurting and they were able to get the spiritual help they needed. Amen, right? Someone needed to hear this message or this song and we helped make that possible. My sense of responsibility also calls me to serve. If not me, who? If not now, when? Everyone likes to enjoy things in life, but not everyone's willing to do the work needed in order to make those things happen. If multiple people don't roll up their sleeves every single week, our worship experience would be very different and might not happen the way we want it to happen. I can't stand by and allow others to do the work on my behalf. If something needs to be done, I want to be part of the effort. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. The growth of relationships with other team members has been huge benefit to me and keeps me coming back. There are many people that I've had the opportunity to get to know that I most likely would not have otherwise met. Showing up and helping is one way to give back to the church and visibly show love for God. A few more from Setup Takedown. Sunday morning setup makes me happy. I feel blessed to be able to contribute some accumulated knowledge to help things be satisfying for the crew and the congregation. It's not a burden to get up early on a Sunday, do a bit of pushing and lifting, drink some coffee, hear a proclamation of God's Word, repeat the first part, and finish in the early afternoon. The friends that commit to this are special people. For me, this is a way to honor my Creator through service. I definitely think this is something God has called me to do. God called me to put up lights. God called me to to, to set up carts and and all sorts of things, to run sound in here. God called me to do this. I had no experience working with lights or knowing the intricacies of what goes where and how it's supposed to look at the end. But I love learning how to do new things, so I said yes. I think setting up and taking down gives me the chance to be a part of something that's bigger than me, and it's given me the opportunity to meet some really great people in the process. I agreed to help with takedown because I realized that a church functions best when we each do our part. As an able-bodied person, I feel like it's a way for me to help the church work, to make it happen. It is a physical, tangible way of doing God's work, and I trust pleases God. My participation has helped me focus on trying how to grow closer to God. Love that. We love all of our setup and takedown crew. All that you do, we can't do it without you. Now, here are a couple of quotes from folks who work in our hospitality ministry. We have greeters that that meet you in the parking lot all the way into the lobby. We have ushers who help us do things in here in this space. We have people out serving coffee. We have people at the Welcome Center welcoming guests and uh, giving out information about our church. And here's a couple of people that say why they do that. I'm happy to see and talk with friends each week, and I love the opportunity to share my excitement about our beliefs and our activities with our guests, right? I love meeting my friends here, and I love meeting new people and helping them connect. Uh, Greeting guests and being able to connect with them makes my heart happy. Over the years, my entire ministry has touched many new people, and some have become members and others have moved on. No matter if they stay or not, they have experienced God. That's powerful. No matter if they stay or not, they have experienced God, even if for a short time. And being a part of that has enhanced my life in many ways. The first experience in a church, and particularly in a church theater, can be a turning point in someone's life. Welcoming someone can be a turning point in someone's life. I love that. And then finally, I just want to read a couple from uh, our Explorers ministry. These are people who serve with our children, just right down the hallway, age birth through fifth grade. I serve in the Explorers ministry for many reasons, but the main reason is simple. I love children, and God has made it clear that He feels the same. They're the next generation. They're also at church at a fun point in their lives where they get to explore the world around them with a sense of wonder and joy. I love watching kids discover who God is and learn about His love for us. And I know that for many believers, things they learned in Sunday school as children formed the foundation of their faith, myself included. Volunteering in the Explorers Ministry definitely serves God in our church, but I get a lot of benefits from serving too. Spending time with our youngest members before going back to the work week is a great reminder not to sweat the small stuff or take everything so seriously. Children are truly some of the best examples of living life to the full. Amen to that. And finally, when I think about why I serve in children's ministry, Matthew 19, 14 comes to mind. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Jesus made children a priority in his ministry, and serving in children's ministry is one way that I can do the same. Uh, as parents, we have such a short time with our children. One thing that I like to do and think is important is for my children to see me studying the Bible lesson and teaching it. And it's an honor for me to be a part of my own children's and church families' children's spiritual development. So that's directly quotes from people just like you and me in our church who go above and beyond the duty, right? To set up and take down, to welcome, to give a cup of coffee, to serve our children, right? It's just, it's powerful stuff and everyday people get to do that. I've got a summary slide of just some of the reasons that these folks named why they do what they do. Because they love God, they wanna give back to God, feel called by God to be a part of something bigger than themselves, to use their gifts and abilities for God, to have relationships with people, to help others connect to God and to be a witness for God, to learn and grow, make it happen, tangible way to do God's work, and feel that it's my responsibility, right? These people truly believe we get to do something special for God. So again, how is it that I opened the message today? How do we shift from this excitement of I get to do stuff for God to, man, do I have to go do that stuff today? Right? Or maybe it's preventing us from even getting in the, in the in the service to begin with. Maybe we haven't taken a step off because we think it just looks like something we're going to have to do and and we're not going to want that. How do we shift? Why do we shift from get to, to have to? You know, I, I think there are many reasons. I think for some of us, right? is seasonal, that we feel God calls us to serve in this area of the church for a while, maybe to take a break, and then God's calling us to serve in another area of the church. I think that's true. I think that, that's legitimate. I think sometimes burnout's real. We've just got too much going on. Uh, we've, we've taken off more than we can chew, and just, we just feel really burned out. And I think that, I think that sometimes happens to us. And sometimes, though, I, I think we might substitute what we want with what God wants for us. I know that I do that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I don't feel like coming and preaching on Sunday morning. Sometimes I don't feel like going to a, a staff meeting or to a leadership team meeting. Sometimes I just, I don't want to look at my email inbox because it's so full. And I just, I don't feel like doing that. And so, you know, sometimes I'm like, God, don't you want me to get on to something else? And usually in those times, I think it's human and that's normal. And that, that's just what happens sometimes. But when I do that in my own life, I, I, I tend to take the focus off God and put more of the focus on me. Right? Not what God wants, but what I want, right? I don't, I don't think God's done with me in certain areas of my ministry. And, and, and sometimes I, I feel that, that human nature say, man, I just, do I have to do this again, right? So for me, what helps is to be reminded of, well, why am I doing this in the first place? Why do you preach? Why do you answer email? Why do you go to meetings? It's because you help people live life to the full, right? And, and so when, when, when I put the bigger picture in mind, it kind of helps me reset right? Because we're human. We're going to have those days where we just don't feel like doing something. You know, Jesus had a moment. He's like, God, if it's okay with you, I'd rather not be crucified, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, I I don't want to go be nailed to a cross. But then what did Jesus say? Not what I want, God, but what you want. It's important for me to save all of humanity, so that they don't have to go to hell, and they can live life to the full and live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And so, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. Right? I get to save people's lives. I get to save people's souls. Right? That's a powerful thing. Right? So, so in our lives, I, I, I think another way to look at it is, if God has given us special gifts and abilities, and placed us at South Park Church right now for such a time as this. If we don't use our gifts and our abilities to help South Park Church and the ministries, then we're hindering the advance of the kingdom of God in our community, right? We're we're holding it back, right? If we're frustrated, wow, we wish the church was doing this or was growing faster or doing more, right? Maybe it's because we're kind of not, you know, in the game. Uh, and maybe God has placed us here to do something about that and to get in the game, that we all have gifts and abilities and talents, and if we're holding them back from God, then we're hindering the advance of the kingdom of God in our community, right? So it's a, it, it's a, it's a powerful thing that God calls us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think one more reason that might shift us from get-to to, to have-to, I think sometimes we just wonder, Is does it make a difference, Right? Does it really make a difference if I get up you know, early on Sunday morning when it's cold? It's a holiday weekend. Lots of people are probably not going to be at church. Does it make a difference if I set up the lights or get the, the audio stuff set up or you know, work on this lesson for the kids? They're not even listening to me when I'm teaching the lesson. Or does it matter if we have the coffee out there? Does it matter that someone's sitting at the welcome table? Right? I haven't seen any guests there last week. You know, Does it matter? I think sometimes you know, we're human and we get frustrated right, when we don't see things happening. Right? Right. Some Sundays are amazing. Some, sometimes you know, we see God at work. Right? We, we see someone baptized, or we see someone profess their faith in Christ, or, or we, you know, we go and we, we, we pack meals for 30,000 people to say, wow, we made a difference today. But there are those days where we just wonder, is what I'm doing busting my rear end? Is it really making a difference in people's lives? Because I just don't see that right? Sometimes we feel that way. And I think that's real. I think that's something that hits us all, right? I even feel that way sometimes. And so what do we do about that? The 19th century painter, Vincent van Gogh, I always thought it was Vincent van Gogh, but I just recently heard it was Vincent van Gogh. So I want to try to get that right. right, 19th century painter, now considered one of the greatest painters of all time, greatest painters of all time. But when he was alive and when he was painting, he was a huge failure, He was not successful. He he didn't sell paintings. People thought he was crazy and a lunatic and he wrestled like with mental illness uh, and he lived kind of like this tortured life in his mind and so he never got to see how much the world appreciated him. I'm a fan of this science fiction show called Doctor Who in which this guy uh, travels around the universe in a time uh, machine that looks like a blue police box. Uh, and one of the recent episodes, um, the, the doctor, he's this time traveler, he, he lands in the 19th century and he meets Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, and it just moves his heart how stressed out and how unappreciated he is. And so he kind of breaks the laws of time and he puts him in the time machine and brings him to modern day uh, life in the 21st century. Because he wants to give Vincent Van Gogh a glimpse of how much he's appreciated. Check this out. I love that scene because Vincent Van Gogh has the opportunity to see that he was a tremendous, brilliant painter. It's a powerful scene, even though it's fictional and didn't really happen. But what I think about in our own lives is we wonder, are we making a difference for God as we're up here singing or setting up lights or welcoming people or teaching kids? You know, I just don't see that. I think when we meet Jesus face to face, whether it's after we die or whether Jesus comes back at the end of time, whenever that is for us so Jesus is going to take us and he's going to thank us and he's going to say, look at all the lives that you've touched. Because like, on, on the earth, we see like a little pixel and he's going to show us the whole picture. And we're going to see people that have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that we help play a role in it. We might not have ever known what's going to happen. Because God used our faithfulness in ways that that we haven't seen. We're sowing seeds that are going to bear fruit. And one day we're going to time travel with God and we're going to see just exactly how we have made a difference. I want to read one more quote to you uh, from one of the volunteer servant ministers uh, with our children's ministry here in Explorers, birth through fifth grade. As a child, I was impacted greatly by my children's minister. Without her, I don't know if I would be a Christian today. She is still an active part of my home church and continues to bless other children. She was able to tell Bible stories simply and explain how to live out the moral lessons in everyday life. When I think about how I learned to serve others, it was through children's ministry. I sang carols to shut-ins, was part of giving gifts to angel tree children, and delivered food baskets to nursing homes. I'm grateful for volunteer teachers who taught rowdy classes Sunday after Sunday and came back on Wednesday nights to do it again. As an adult and a parent now, I realize how many of them were juggling their own families and working full-time, yet they made children a priority. I strive to do the same and hopefully make a difference for the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, what we do for God is important, and sometimes we're going to see the fruit, and it's going to be amazing. And sometimes we'll, we'll just bang our head against the wall and ask ourselves, am I really making and when we do that, I want you to remember this passage of Scripture, from again from Paul, writing to another church in Greece, this time in, in the city of Corinth, as Paul writes this to the Christians there. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain we set up a light or we come and sing a song or we welcome someone with a cup of coffee, we are doing something for the kingdom of God and lives are being transformed. Sometimes we'll see that and sometimes we will not. And we'll have to wait until the end of time when Jesus takes us on our own personal tour to say, look what you have done. Well done, faithful servants. When you labor for God, it is never in vain." God has a purpose for you here in South Park Church. I invite you to search your heart and to think about what it is that God's calling you to do and to do your part. And know that you get to be a part of something that's bigger than yourselves. You can help transform someone's life in the name of Jesus. So do your part and know that your labor is not in vain. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.